This is Meaning What. My name is Matt Wiseman, and we're going to talk about the Democratic primary debates in Des Moines, Iowa that's coming up tonight. So I've got a couple segments I'm going to talk about. I'm just going to give you a background about certain things that are important here, and then we're going to talk about the issues that are supposed to be covered that are polling as the top issues of 2020, then we're going to discuss the candidates, and hopefully that'll allow you to go forward being more prepared for maybe how they're going to handle themselves or what to expect of this. All right, the background. A few things you need to know so you can kind of be prepared for who these people are and what they're standing for, what they're doing um, for the debates tonight. First, uh, just general ideas, right? There's there's two ideas you really need to know about. Um, when people say establishment, they mean neoliberal establishment. Now, neoliberals are um, pro-private business. Uh, they're kind of anti-government regulation. They're they're pro-trade um, organizations. They're de facto pro-war. Um, they believe in incrementalism and being responsible with monetary policy. But what that really breaks down to is they're going to take your money, your taxpayer-funded money that runs the government, that pays for programs, and they're going to give it to private industry in the form of tax breaks. They're going to give it to um, private industry in the form of um, contracts, whether it's the defense budget or whatnot. So um, a lot of people are making money, a lot of private industries making money on the neoliberal model. And so neoliberalism, the establishment, the status quo has kind of brought us to Trump. That is really where Trump comes from, and that is his base. He campaigned differently in 2016, but that's not how he's acted or how he's staffed up or how he's you know really gone and led the country. So that's the establishment. On the other side of that is the anti-establishment, people that don't want that. They don't want the private tax, uh, public tax monies, your money, going to private organizations. They don't want war. That doesn't help the U.S. in any way. They don't want. They want more regulation so that private industry here isn't going to lead us into another financial crisis like in two thousand and eight. Um, and that could be reformers, but the core of um, any kind of anti-establishment is reform. They want to change the system. Um, and they want to increase uh, domestic spending. So they want to have the U.S. government do more for the people, not for corporations. Um, and they're trying to break this 40, 50-year tradition of basically selling our government to big business, you know, oligarchies and whatnot, and World Trade Organization, and uh, the IMF, uh, International Monetary Fund, all of them kind of writing policies for nations that are considering themselves neoliberal. And that's been really bad for the people in these nations, but also it's been really bad for the world writ large. Um, climate change is one of these issues uh, that comes up that's bad for people, but it's good for business. So what are you going to do? Well, when it comes between business and people, if you say you're a neoliberal, you're going to side with business 100% of the time. Now, if you're going to actually defend people and you represent them and you care about the working people and poor people, both here in, in the U.S., but also in the world, that's called solidarity. Um, and that's also a very important concept to think about when 
you're talking about policy and about where people are from and what they're going to fight for. Are you going to fight for business? Are you going to fight for economic growth? Are you going to fight for, you know, a balanced budget? Or are you going to reestablish the connection between, um, in a democracy, right? Uh, between one person and one vote, you're going to reestablish the connection between the electorate, you know, the people putting people into office and the elected officials, the actual representatives, how representative are they and of who, you know, we should be representative in a democracy. We should have our representatives be representative of us and our desires, not just of business that affects us. It's very different ideology. And I think uh, I want you to understand that really well, because that's really the core issue here. All right. So those are some general ideas, uh, some background information. And so we're going to go to now the background of the past four years, right? I could go a lot further, but I think that it's really important to understand the election of 2016, um, the, the uh, elections in 2018, and what's coming up now in 2020, and what the major issue is in my eyes and in my analysis. You know, I could be wrong. I'm welcome to, to hear discussion, and I love discussion. I think it's important. I think that's how democracy should be. There should be more voices and should be more opinions, and we should have more conversations before doing things like going to war with Iran or killing a world leader. Those things are huge, and they should not be one-sided ever. Okay, so going on to 2016. What was the election of 2016? Okay, was this the Democrats... And the Republicans. The Republicans had a huge field, um, a lot of establishment candidates, and Trump won that field being the anti-establishment candidate, running on a populist message, running on what's good for people. Um, some of the dog whistling, some of the racist stuff, some of the um, uh, some of the pro-nationalistic qualities were there, which are actually in turn with fascism. So that's why people kind of say that. Um, Trump is pro-fascist. Also, his relationships with autocrats, you know, people that are on their way to being fascist are actually fascist. Uh, people have also called Trump a clown fascist. You know, it's just about his consolidation of power and how he wants to stay in power. And so that's where the fascism thing comes from. But his nationalistic lean, his um, populist lean, these are actually pretty good. You know, what do you care about? You care about the nation, people here. Um, you care about the people that are working, people that have lost their jobs, people that have suffered under neoliberalism. That's not a bad message, you know, and you're saying that you're going to use the public funding to invest in giving them jobs to to bring back jobs that they lost and went overseas because of globalization, which is um, another form of neoliberalism where you're extending uh, business abroad. Um, it's called the internationalist idea. You know, the World Trade Organization is very big on that. Um, you know, but that always hurts the nation that goes out. You have more products because they're made in China, but you're not making them. So you have less money to spend. Um, and since you have less control in the market, uh, as far as influence, you know, you don't control production of goods anymore. So you can't really have a say. And... You know, if you control production of goods by being the people that actually make it, then you can unionize and unions can actually be a voice for the people. Um, I know it's a little convoluted, but that's how it works. All right. So that 2016 was really this referendum. And then in the in, uh, between the establishment and the anti-establishment and Trump was won the field 
of the Republicans as the anti-establishment candidate. Now, in the Democratic field, um, it was smaller, but you had stronger campaigns. And there was Bernie Sanders and there was Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton was had already run for president, had already been the secretary of state, had already been um, under Barack Obama, uh, had already been a senator from New York, even though she hadn't lived in New York, she'd already been the first lady. So she has this long political history. She's a known quantity. She's a big influence in the Democratic Party establishment. Um, That being said, she ran a kind of arrogant establishment campaign campaign where she was basically thinking, you know, any anti-establishment candidate is not serious, cannot win. A lot of people dismiss Trump. A lot of people dismiss Bernie Sanders. Um, And Bernie Sanders was actually trying to wait for Elizabeth Warren before he joined the the race. He wanted her to run. A lot of people wanted her to run. And she said she was going to wait. And then then she didn't. So Bernie got in. She didn't go for it. And then then she was going to wait for her endorsement, and then she ends up endorsing Hillary Clinton. But you know, towards the end, when it was very clear that she that Hillary Clinton was going to win, or you know, did win the primary. Um, but Bernie Sanders was the anti-establishment candidate, and he did have a populist message, an economic populist message, where really we're going to change things fundamentally in an economic standpoint. Um, he wasn't talking about a cultural progressivism like um, like uh, Barack Obama was, where, you know, we're going to make things better for you culturally. We're going to include this, you know, and, and, and some of that stuff did happen under uh, Obama. But Obama generally was a, a war hawk. You know, he didn't close Guantanamo Bay. He he killed a lot of American citizens abroad with drones. He he continued the war and surge in in um, in Afghanistan and then, and then didn't get us out of Iraq. So he, you know, the, the ACA, the, the Obamacare act, it was kind of this big bowing to corporate interests. You know, uh, I think it was the American medical association wrote most of that, you know, so he's basically talking to lobbyist groups. He's talking to industry groups and they're writing legislation. And yeah, it was a fight to get done, but it wasn't really, the government doing anything except co-opting what private industry wanted. So 2016, you had this moderate centrist establishment candidate in Hillary Clinton who didn't really campaign, didn't really try. She was playing dirty. She was playing by the, the traditional playbook and, um, she was trying to bash people. You know, you could see that even now where, you know, her and people like Nero Tandon that work for her are trying to bash Bernie Sanders even today, even though Bernie Sanders was her competition, did fall in line behind her, even though it was kind of a rigged, um, the super delegates. So these people that are have the say for the entire state, even though the the people underneath them were voting for Bernie Sanders, they're the ones that gave all the votes to Hillary Clinton which is a betrayal. It's a betrayal of any kind of democracy. Um, But that's the way the system is. And you got to play within the system before you can get a stronger democracy, if that's what you want. All right. So that was 2016. And, you know, we all know Hillary Clinton with this moderate center, uh, central idea, like this neoliberal um, status quo message lost. She lost, she lost and she lost. Let's stop talking about it. Let's stop doing anything about it. But yet 
the that message did not get through to the Democratic Party. All the Republicans fell in line behind Trump and Trump, you know, proved that he was Mr. Big Business and he was going to fall in line behind them and give them what they want as long as he got to be on top of the heap. So his anti-establishment message was garbage. But Hillary Clinton hasn't changed anything, hasn't learned anything. People that support her, the whole Democratic machine hasn't changed at all. So that's a major problem. And that leads us to today. But let's go to 2018 first. So 2018 was a real rejection of the current administration. So Trump gets into office as this, you know, populist nationalist, and immediately he doesn't care about either the nation or the populism. There is an argument to say that he does care about the nation in the terms of the the trade war and tariffs. Um, That kind of reckoning with China will have to come sooner or later. We're going to have to work out what our relationship with China is. We basically made an agreement years ago that China was going to produce a lot of goods for us, you know, cheaply, and we were going to buy them. And it gave China a huge economic boom, made them the second world power economically, and it also stifled the growth of the U.S. Um, And this is a whole other argument, but just so you know, um, the China-U.S. dichotomy is very interesting, and it does have a lot to say about the future. But let's just think, focus on ourselves right now, because these debates are very important. So uh, in 2018, the blue wave is what they call it, when a lot of Democrats took the House of Congress, because everything was Republican at that time in 2016. You know, the, the moderates not only lost the White House, they lost the Senate, they, they lost the House, they really, you know, there's a continuation of Barack Obama. You know, if this guy is basically a, a Republican, you know, he's, he's concerned with fi- uh, neoliberalism. Because um, yeah, when you talk about centrist and you talk about establishment and you talk about neoliberalism, you're basically saying it doesn't matter what party you are. They both do this, you know, Republican and Democrat. So when you say somebody's a moderate in their Democratic Party, they might have more cultural signaling. You know, they might be for black or Asian or a minority of any kind or a woman. And then it's more accepted that they have these policies that are basically what white Republicans want anyway. Um, they're just not having to, to talk about religion. You know, uh, it's not a huge difference. And so you could basically call Barack Obama a Republican because how he managed the country was like a Republican. He was a consummate moderate. Um, and, um, and Hillary Clinton, it's likely to say that she would be too. And so it's like, if you guys are all the same, I'd go with the party that would is likely to change, um, is likely to fall in line, likely to have more power, likely to do something. And I don't begrudge anyone for doing that. Um, but that's why 2018 was a rejection of what Trump was doing. And you had the blue waves where progressives gain ground. Um, and to the progressives, ba- uh, the basis of progressives are that they believe in solidarity, which we discussed earlier. Then there was the progressive truth. So, you know, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, both senators, um, they knew that they were going to run for president in 2020. And so in 2018, they, they said, you know, we're not going to attack each other. We need to have a progressive agenda. It matters. Let's focus on that. And so they agreed not to attack each other. That's important because uh, recently that got betrayed. All right. 
brings us to now, 2020. The future of the Democratic Party is what the issue is right now. Everybody knows what Trump is. He's a known quantity. He's chaotic. He's pro-business. He doesn't really have a solid plan. He doesn't really have any strong policies he stands on. He's pro-nationalistic. He's anti-immigrant. Um, he believes putting kids in cages and violating human rights is totally fine. No big deal. He believes lying to the American public on one, two, three, four cases. It doesn't matter. There's no consequences. He can do whatever he wants. You know, this is the whole proto-fascist thing. Um, 2020 is about integrity versus artifice. It's about what is true and what is fake. So the establishment has proven to be fake. Their game plans are fake. They lie to the American people and there's no consequence. Trump is a great exemplar of this, but Democrats do it too. So who's going to have integrity? Who's going to be able to actually deliver or fight for what they say they're going to fight for? Okay, that's what we're talking about in 2020. That's what matters in 2020. It's no longer establishment versus anti-establishment. It's like honesty versus, you know, bullshit. And so we have the issues of 2020. The big issues of 2020 come up right after this. We have, um, they're really, really simple. The issues that people are pulling that they, they care about are climate change, wealth inequality, and health insurance. Um, other issues are important. It's not the end of everything, but that is the three major issues. And climate change puts a whole, it's kind of the gun to the head of the world, right? We need to do something and we need to do it now. You can't just make promises. And so if you have somebody that's progressively minded, that cares about the working people, cares about the poor people, they're going to take big progressive policy ideas like Medicare for all or free college for all um, uh, and in housing, all these sort of things. And they're going to piggyback that on any kind of climate change legislation, jobs for all. Um, they want to include everyone because if you start to say this is good for some and this is only, we can only make money, find money for some, you basically get nothing. If you say it's for some, you get nothing because people are always going to argue about what that sum is. If you say everybody gets it, you know, like a freedom dividend, then everybody gets it. Everybody gets it. A lot of people don't need it. Whatever. They get it anyway. The people that need it will really, really use it and really be amazing for them. So that really helps to alleviate poverty. That really helps to change things in this country um, for the better. It's just for the better, period. And we spend trillions of dollars in wars. We spend trillions of dollars giving it to private contractors. We spend trillions of dollars in tax breaks. We have the money. So the argument that we don't have the money is disgusting and a violation of any kind of trust. So somebody says we don't have the money, they're lying to you. They have it. They just want to spend it giving it to corporations. And they do. Both sides of the aisle, they do. All right. So um, we're going to take a little break, and then we're going to go and talk about the candidates for tonight. Um season. Hello again, uh, this is Matt Wiseman, and this is Meaning What. We're talking about the uh, Des Moines Democratic primary debate that's tonight. Uh, now we're just going to review quickly the um, the candidates and give you an overview of who they are and what they stand for. Uh, 
I'm going to be some, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to be dismissive of certain candidates. I think that Bernie Sanders is the best candidate. Um, you don't have to agree with me. And it'd be a little weird if you did, but if you do, like, great. You know, I, I believe that I've done my research. This is who I've chosen. It's who I endorse. Regardless of that, I want you to understand under the context of what I was saying earlier, that this is about integrity. The, the Democratic establishment, because we're talking about the Democrats here, it's only the primary, they, they want to run on the idea of electability. And what is that? What is electability? I want to talk about your record. I want to talk about what you stand for. I want to talk about how likely you are to fight for us. This is supposed to be a democracy, you know, and if you are a pro-democratic candidate and you believe that every person should have one vote and one voice and should be heard in this place and they should have control over their destiny and they should have uh, a right to say that the, um, the economic prosperity of the country should also be my economic prosperity. That's democracy. And people that fight for that, that's a progressive, right? Because the progressives fight for the, the poor and the working people. Um, everybody else that's doing well and doing fine and they like the, thing, the way things are, the way things are is awful. It's awful. And if we don't have a legitimate democracy, how are we any different than... You know, a developing country with a fascist in the head. How are we any different than, than you know, than China or Russia? If it's all going to be top down and there's going to be a leader that tells us how to live our lives, what are the values they are espousing? Whatever personal values they have, stay with them. We don't share them. So I want to have a candidate that shares my values and that believes that the future of the U.S., uh, future of the world is important and it should belong to the people in the world and people in the US um, and they matter the most not just they they matter and should be included they matter the most that the United States of America is the citizens of the United States of America I don't care if you voted for Trump or Hillary Clinton in the last election I voted for Hillary Clinton but it was a hard choice and I don't like her and I didn't want her to win. I didn't want her to win the primary and I didn't want her to win the general election, but I didn't want Trump to win either because I didn't trust him at all. He was an unknown quantity. In a way, I'm a little grateful that Trump won because now we're having this conversation. And that might be a little scandalous to say, but if you're a Bernie supporter, if you're on the left, it's very scandalous to say. But I don't, I'm not young, and I've lived in this world long enough to see another establishment candidate, another establishment candidate, another neoliberal takeover, and basically make life worse. Okay, they did it slowly. This guy's doing it rapidly. It is inevitable. We were only ever going to get somebody like Trump or worse the way things were going. And if Hillary Clinton wasn't, it would just be a stopgap of another Obama administration kind of situation. Obama was bad too. You know, I'm not going to get bogged down in, you know, the identity politics, cultural signaling. So that's when, you know, Barack Obama is black. And so having a black president is good for black people. True. 
But what'd be better for black people? If the government actually gave them a legitimate shake, you know, if all the citizens of the U.S. felt that there was prosperity for them and they could start a business or they could have the kind of job they want or they could be able to buy a house or they could go to school if they wanted to, that's better. That's better than saying, you know, one of ours is in the White House. Part of the division that happened under Trump is a problem that is echoed in Barack Obama, you know, he's proud of being a white nationalist, you know, with affiliations with the Nazis, the neo-Nazis. Barack Obama was a black man. That doesn't equate the two. But if you're talking about in-group, out-group mentality, if you're only talking to the in-group, if you're saying that this is what matters, is that I'm in this group and I'm going to continue bad policy you're still going to continue bad policy. You're not including the people, whether they're your people or not, you're not including them in the conversation. You're continuing the status quo, which is bad for the United States of America. It's bad for the citizens of the United States of America. And you're calling it good because you got drones and you got a big military and you have, you know, a growing economy but that economy isn't reflected in people's lived experiences. Their actual lives aren't any better at all. And it didn't get better under eight years in Barack Obama, and it's not getting better under Donald Trump. All right, so let's talk about the candidates. Media mogul, Michael Bloomberg. His general philosophy, his general idea, he's not in the debates, but he's important because he's got this idea that Trump bought the White House, I can buy the White House. Money buys all in America. I have a lot of money. I'm actually a legitimate billionaire instead of a con man. Let me, you know, that remains the scene. Maybe Michael Bloomberg is a con man too. You know, he did three terms as a mayor in New York. Entirely bad policies, a lot of privatization of different uh, public ideas, and um, stop and frisk was under his watch. Uh, just... Racist, bad, pro uh, big business policies on a state level, on the city level of New York City. I was living there at the time. I'm still living there. He is pretty awful and doesn't really, nothing matters to him. If it's good for business, it's good for, it's good for him. It's good for um, the New York. It's good for everybody, but it's not good for everybody. That's the neoliberal idea. He's just a neoliberal. All right, Um, coal industrialist Tom Steyer. Steyer, he's accurately defines climate change as a major issue. It is. It is a major issue. But the way that he's addressing it is I'm going to spend all my money to get into political office to what? To privatize this and to shift the focus away from... um, you know, consumables to renewables, and we're going to have new policy. He has no idea about how policy works. He has money. This guy could easily be a lobbyist or have a grassroots organization. There's plenty of people that would take his money and use it for really good causes. Instead, he's throwing his money away as a self-promotion campaign. He wants to be the savior that gets us out of climate change. He doesn't have the ability to get us out of climate change. He doesn't have the wherewithal or the knowledge of being in political office. He also thinks that he can just buy 
his way on, you know, into this race. Michael Bloomberg came in at later and has more money and is spending more money, and he's doing just that. So how is Times Steyer even relevant anymore? He should just drop out and start to campaign for climate change. He made all his money wrecking the climate. It's possible that he's guilty and he's trying to save it. Good. Save it. But being the president is not something you need to do. Support one of these other guys. Anything. But you have all this money. Use it to better better the world instead of just push yourself and your ego in the savior complex you have. Get off the stage. All right. So former Vice President uh, Joe Biden. There's serious concerns about his 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 health. He does not seem to be all there. He's got these crazy stories he's telling. He breaks into. They don't seem to make any sense. Nobody's following it. He's supposed to be this Hillary relaunch as if he is like the new Hillary Clinton. That lost last time against the same guy. Like, why is this something that they're doing? Why is Joe Biden even up there? His record is horrendous. The things he did as vice president, nothing stands out to be all that great. You know, he met world leaders. Sure. What has Mike Pence done? I don't know. Besides lied about the war in Iran and said it was 9-11, like, who are these people? Why do they think they're qualified to be the president of the United States? You know, Joe Biden has failed before, just like Hillary failed before to run for president. People didn't want him then. Why does anybody want him now? He is the consummate moderate. He is the consummate um, neoliberal. He wants private industry to take over and do everything. He was right next to Barack Obama um, during all of that. The ACA and Afghanistan and Iraq and drone strikes and uh, Guantanamo Bay, all of that. The deporter in chief, all of that. If he wants to say that my legitimacy comes by being this identity by proxy to Barack Obama, then he's got to take all of the record of Barack Obama too, which is bad. It's just bad. So... What are you offering, Joe? What are you doing here? You know, I don't know anybody that would support him or does support him. I don't understand it. Um, hopefully, if you if you do support Joe Biden, you you could look into other people, look at their policies, and support you know support your values. Like, see what what actually happens there. Joe Biden seems like the safe bet, but I would look at his VP pick because I don't think he's going to make it the whole time. There's something seriously mentally wrong with him, um, you know, and it's a health issue. Uh, maybe he's got dementia. He's an older guy. Uh, and he's he wants to fight people, like fight or do a push-up contest. This guy is kind of a clown. Why would we want him as president? And Donald Trump's going to rip him apart. He won't even ever be president. He's only ever going to lose to Donald Trump. That's the reality. Donald Trump would love to go against Joe Biden. So this idea that he's more electable, whatever that means, to who? He's more electable than Bernie Sanders to the establishment, sure. But the establishment believes everything that Joe Biden believes. If they stuff his pockets full of money, then Joe, uh, Joe Biden's going to do anything they want. Doesn't even have to be that much money. Just has to fill his pockets. All right. So let's go on. Um, Senator Klobuchar. Okay. So... 
she's been in the Senate. She's got some good things in the Senate. She could be an ally to progressives. She she's happy to be a moderate. She's not really that exciting. She's a neoliberal, and um, we've already got that. We've got the consummate neoliberal. Why do we need another one? Why do we need her? So she's a little bit to the left of Joe Biden, but I'm not excited about her. I don't really want her to be there. I don't really care what she has to say. Mayor Pete. Mayor Pete. uh, So the Democrats love this cultural signaling where you're like, I am black. So make me your president. It's all of this kind of masquerading as progressive just because that's who you are. Um, I guess Klobuchar does that. I mean, little, probably to the least extent of all the people that are up there. Um, Bernie Sanders doesn't do it at all. He's Jewish. I'd like to think that matters, but um, there's 3 million Jews in, in the U S and he's, you know, less than 1% of the population, the group that he's in. So it, it's kind of, something that's there but not at the forefront because it doesn't matter um it does matter it it doesn't matter in in the terms of this 2020 election where we're talking about integrity what is your integrity amy what is your integrity uh mayor mayor pete you know he has he's gay so he has this cultural signaling that he's gay great he had a, a he's a veteran so that matters he definitely fought for this country and that's definitely something to applaud his political um history and policies as the mayor of south bend indiana they're questionable like he possibly a racist you know supported racist policies He's got friends and connections at NBC and they got had tons of money so he's like okay well all of this kind of concoction and maybe he was talked into it makes for a good presidential run, especially in a crowded field. I think there was like 20 something candidates at the beginning, but why is Pete still here? Well, it seems that Pete's still here because he did this kind of espionage here in the U S that was his job. And so he's pivoted from being to the right, um, you know, to the left of center to the, uh, uh, well, to the left of the neoliberals, still a neoliberal still believes in all their ideas, still taking all their money, still being supported by big money, um, huge money, in fact, and didn't need popular support, but he gets a little bit of popular support. You know, he's, he's got all of the tact, of uh, being able to maneuver politically, but he, he's not as inspiring. He's not as exciting as even Barack Obama. Barack Obama was a fantastic speaker. I would listen to him and and be floored constantly, but that all ended up being just BS. And he was never aggressive. He was never the fighter. And he just got bulldozed when he was in office and he lost. And so when you had these major standoffs in, in the Democrats and the Republicans, it's like 99% of the time Republicans won when Barack Obama was in office and Republicans keep winning because they're a stronger party. How do we change that? How do we learn from the Republicans and make the Democratic Party that strong? Well, we can't do it under Mayor Pete. Initially, he started as the policies. He was a little bit of the to the left of the moderates, and then um, he was kind of this continuation of Obama. You know, he's fiscally conservative, and they say, you know, socially liberal. Well, socially liberal now is just signaling, cultural signaling. Socially, you don't give a shit. You are what you are. Um, so socially, 
he's gay and so he must be progressive. That's not true. He's not. He's not progressive at all. He's he's moderate. He believes, you know, Amy Klobuchar is the same thing. You know, she's a woman, so she must be progressive. No, they're not. They're neoliberals, period. And we have that in Joe Biden. Joe Biden's leading. What are you guys still doing here? All right, so we got two more. Um, Senator Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren, after 2008, she was the intellectual teacher um, at Harvard. I think she's at Harvard, right? Uh, lawyer and teacher and, you know, general well-off lady in a well-off state, you know, part of this whole small world of um, intellectuals and managerial class. Anyway, and she was rejected by Barack Obama. He got all her ideas and he was thought she would be made the head of um, the camp of the organization she founded, um, the Consumer Finance Protection Board. Uh, and she wasn't. So in response to that, she ran for senator. No political experience at all. Became a senator. Great. Became a kind of popular senator. And with that, she became part of this kind of the unofficial, because uh, there's no quiet criteria, progressive caucus. And so when 2016 came around, um, Bernie Sanders wanted her to really take the mantle and go for the presidency. A lot of people would like to see her as president. And I don't begrudge that. But now let's fast forward to 2019 and, and uh, the, the 2020 election here. What has she done? What policies has she represented? What makes her qualified? And where does she actually stand? Okay, it's good Good to say. It's good to understand. She, has, she started off with strong policy ideas, wealth tax, financial reform, debt forgiveness, uh, however limited, um, and the idea of Medicare for all, which she kind of, you know, she got lost in the details. She wanted to write the policy before actually saying, I want these things and I believe in these things, and I'm going to fight for these things. Instead, when she was pressured a little, she said, I'm going to go write it all up right now, get all the plans really solid, and I'm going to be the woman with the plan. And I'm going to be able to you know, have plans for days. Anybody wants a plan, I got plans. Um, and she proved that with a little bit of needling, a little bit of pressure, she collapses. She gives in. And so she went from Medicare for All to you know, the public option to Medicare for all in three years, uh, which is ridiculous. And she went, you know, um, so she's just kind of proven that she is able to be influenced. I wouldn't say corruptible, but it's possible. Um, uh, and then it's just, she doesn't seem to have the the will, the strength of character to be able to withstand or, or the, the onslaught of political pressure. She hasn't been in Washington long enough. She's tried to have too many friends. And now with this political campaign and then, you know, recently with these two attacks on Bernie, um, she's kind of broken the truce and said, I can't believe he's done that. And then was silent on the other one. Right. And it turned out that it was debunked like that. The, she responded to a lie. The attack was a lie, and now this next attack is also a lie from CNN. Um, the media establishment has already 
seen Bernie Sanders as a threat and they've tried to take him down. And he's kept fighting and he's kept being honest to himself and honest to everybody there, but he's called them out on occasion because they need to be called out. So even the the so-called attack was just people telling the truth and she got wind of it and thought it was an attack and was all sensitive about it. So I just don't believe Elizabeth Warren is... If progressivism is is defined by solidarity, she's not a progressive. She has progressive ideas. She wants things that are going to help everybody. She wants to have regulation. She wants a stronger government. So she's not exactly a very strong neoliberal, but she also believes in this top down. Like, you know, there is a hierarchy and the people in charge should be in charge. And the people that are on the bottom, they should just stay there. And they don't really matter. They're going to take what you're given no matter what. And that's not at all progressiveness. That's not what I think of as a progressive. AOC said this about Biden, you know, recently in the New York Times article, the New Yorker article, um, that Joe Biden and AOC would not be in the same party in another country. That's 100% true. Joe Biden is in is in the middle. If you're going to say that um, neoliberals are centrist, then there's a center between Republican and Democrat. They're not the center of the Democratic Party. They are equidistant between Republican and Democrat because the values at which they have are the same, whether you're Republican or Democrat. And you could not say that about AOC. You cannot say that about Bernie Sanders. You might be able to say that about Warren, Elizabeth Warren. Okay. um, So lastly, you're going to talk about Elizabeth um, to Bernie Sanders and then... um, then you'll have to make your own decision. <laughs> All right. So uh, Bernie Sanders, he is the true left. He's an honest figure. He's forthright. People say he's very funny. I could see that because he plays on this idea that you're going to expect him to be blunt and in your face, and he makes a joke. Um, and he, he says things, and I don't think he's being dishonest when he says, like, my friend Joe Biden. He works with these people. He's got, like, a 40-year history in politics. He's worked with Amy Klobuchar. He's worked with Joe Biden. He's worked uh, with Tulsi Gabbard. He's worked with everybody in the Senate. And then when he was in the House, he worked with everybody in the House. He does know how to strategically give his vote. He knows how to help people. He knows how to add on this idea of solidarity that he has. Um, that's, I'm going to do this to protect violence against women. I'm going to do this per- to protect um uh, the 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 poor, um, the homeless population. He's going to add on these things, and you know the people are going to just pass it because they don't care. <laughs> a lot of them are just doing it for the money, and I don't think Bernie Sanders is, and that's rarity, it's super rare. I think Bernie Sanders is a once in a lifetime candidate. I'm nearly forty, and in my entire life, I've never seen a candidate like Bernie Sanders. And when, and to be honest, when he was running in 2016, because I was kind of duped by um, politicians before, you know, whether it be Ralph Nader or, um, or Barack Obama, I felt betrayed and I was disaffected and I didn't want to vote at all. And I didn't want to be involved at all. And because of 2016, because of his campaign there, because of his campaign now, I've realized that Bernie Sanders is not just more of the same. And we won't get another chance to elect somebody like him. 
if we do elect him, he will be part of a fundamental change in American history to include more people. He's the pro-democracy candidate, anti-establishment, pro-democracy. He wants money out of politics. He wants people to have one vote and have that vote matter. He wants people involved. Anybody that wants to include you is usually cares about you. If anybody says, oh, that's not important, or I'm not going to talk about it, or we need incrementalism, or we need to reevaluate how we're doing these things, they basically want to steal from you. And that's not in my values, in my, my way of looking at the world as an American, as, from the, as a citizen of the United States. I don't think we should be dismissing other citizens of the United States. I feel like everyone is important. Everyone should have a vote. And we should fight for everyone always. If you're a representative, that matters. Bernie Sanders is the only person with that message. You know, he's got a long history, long consistent history of working for the poor and uh, the working class. He doesn't care about cultural signaling. We talked about that. He's got big ideas, but leaves room for negotiation and compromise later. So the ideas are what matter. It's the Green New Deal, but we're not talking about policy, right? We're talking about saving the world. We're not, we're not trying to say, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to get bogged down in the details. Elizabeth Warren is just missed details. Fine. There might be a place for her in an administration, but that's not how you become the leader. That's not what the leader does. The leader doesn't make all the details. The leader says, what are our values? Define our values, support our values, and push for our values at every single moment that we have. It's integrity. You know, your will in a fight. How much can we trust you? Bernie Sanders, do you think he's going to be any different tomorrow? In 10 years? What do you think he's going to be like? If he has all his health, he's going to be totally fine. And I've seen him like, you know, <laughs> crack a baseball and, and, uh, and throw a basketball. Like this guy is healthier than I am. So I just think that we should give him a shot because he is going to change things for us for the better. He will fight and he will fight by drawing comparisons. He will fight by saying, this is what I want. This is what I stand for. What do you want? How do we include that? How do we include everyone? You know, what's your record? What did you do? What will you do? Tell me. So he rests on his policies. He rests on his history. He rests on being a politician who had integrity. It just, how rare is that in the world? And it could be amazing for the U.S. to have somebody with integrity. In addition to all that, his support, his support is basically a campaign not to support Bernie Sanders. He has this the slogan, not me, us. When 2016 winded, it, it was all over and said and done, his campaign continued as our revolution, pushing progressive agendas, pushing the will of the Democrats, and he pushing to include people in the process. The Werner Todout is going to be epic. Just, it's, it's, the, the polling cannot represent what Bernie Sanders is going to bring out. And it's not just him. 
And I think that's what people miss about Bernie Sanders. They're going to attack him and they're like, he's the problem. He's going to go away. The Justice Democrats have already put a lot of people in Congress. Our revolution is basically the new DNC. They are a progressive political machine that is trying to include all people of all colors and all ideas and say, if you believe that you matter and your life matters, then what your values matter. Get involved. Be part of the system. Right now, I think it's only like 50%, maybe 40% of the U.S. populace votes. And you only need, what, like 20% of that to win? You know, you're talking about a very small portion of the population of the United States of America. That shouldn't be. And if we included everybody, if we encouraged everybody, if we excited everybody, we would find populist messaging like Donald Trump had during 2016 campaign, like Bernie Sanders has and had, is going to win the day. It's going to be the way. That is the center. And most people agree with polling when when people, random people are polled, not voters. What are the issues? Well, the issues are wealth inequality. Who's addressing that? Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders. They've got a wealth tax. They have um, more domestic policies and redistribution of wealth. Tax the wealthy. You know, stop spending incredible amounts of money on big business. Tax cuts for big business and wars. And give that money to the people. Pay the soldier, not the contractor. We don't want mercenaries representing us in the world. That's not a good look. It's not what we stand for. And uh, that's, then we have the climate change issue. Who's talking about climate change? Who? Tom Steyer, the billionaire egotist? He's got nothing else going on? All right, fine. I figured it out. You're a big uh, egomaniac. But what are you actually going to do? The Sunrise Movement, they're doing something, you know, and they're young. And so what are we actually going to do about it? Apparently nothing. If you're, if you're um, Joe Biden, if you're Bernie Sanders, you will. But if you're Joe Biden or you're Donald Trump, you do nothing. You do nothing. Elizabeth Warren, I don't even know where she stands. Is it even important to her? Has she said anything about it? That's the gun to the head of all life on Earth. We're going to have koalas extinct this year. What are you going to do about it? You know, nothing. They got nothing. Um, so if you care about that, Bernie Sanders. And lastly, Medicare for all. At the beginning of the race, half the candidates were for Medicare for all. Now, only Bernie Sanders. Only Bernie Sanders. What does that mean? means the rest of them didn't really believe what they said. That they were corruptible. And that when big pharma and, and uh, the health insurance companies, the whole industry, when they, the hospital industry, when they put their weight behind it, the medical equipment industry, they can lobby you to death. And that money will define you. You know, Elizabeth Warren rejected big corporate contributions And so did Bernie Sanders. But Bernie Sanders said he's going to do that through and through.
that this is the new way we're going to have people-powered movement. We're going to have people that are going to be the only stakeholders in the representation of the President of the United States of America. The only. Even Andrew Yang, right? Andrew Yang, for all his his bluster and, and his, his kind of like, oh, I'm an outsider and I'm a businessman and only in America, all of this kind of like neoliberal bootstraps story he's got, uh, along with the kid that's got um, developmental issues, which is kind of signaling to a degree. But I don't think he really wore that flag. He wasn't waving that flag. It was just a reality. So just like him being Asian, it's just a reality. And he talked about issues, you know, issues that are not like a politician talked about issues that will still be with us automation and, and the, the future of work and, uh, 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 the freedom dividend, which is good branding, but you know, like the idea that everybody gets something from the government government's been very profitable, been very good for business. Why isn't it good for the people? It's a good issue. It's important. So I have a friend and, and um, who I, I, I respect and I've known a long, long time. And he said his second is Warren. And, and I would have said, you know, after Bernie Sanders, my second is Warren too. But after the how she's handled herself in the last week, I really, I don't believe Warren has what it takes. And I also believe that she would just be another neoliberal, even if she's in, interested in regulation and reform. Um which would make her Barack Obama, you know? So we need somebody. My second now is Andrew Yang, simply because he seems to have these ideas of domestic investment, believing in people, and that people have the power to choose their own destiny. People have the right to to have respect and dignity in their lives, you know? So, you know, if you're going to talk about anti-establishment versus establishment, like in 2016, Bernie Sanders is the anti-establishment candidate. Andrew Yang is an anti-establishment candidate. Everybody else is establishment, including Elizabeth Warren. And I just don't think the establishment has a path forward. They don't. They're all conservative and they want to go back you could say the same thing about Bernie, but he wants to go back to, you know, to the New Deal. He wants to go back to to inclusion. He wants to go back to fighting with people and for people. That's, that's kind of the way I want to go back. I want to go back to that history. I want to say those Americans, the one that stood up to the British, the ones that stood up to um, the the racist law officers, the ones that, that stood up to... Uh, to big business and they pushed unionization. The ones that stood up uh, for women and tried to included them and got the right to vote. Those are the ones, those are the Americans. Those are the ones that I want to be part of. Those are the ones that matter to me. You know, the, all of these other ones, what are you doing? What, why, why would you support big business over people? Okay. Hopefully that gave you good information and that you're uh, you're going to make a good informed decision now. All right. All you in Iowa, stay strong, solidarity, and um, do it for us. We're all depending on you.
New Hampshire, my old, <laughs> my old state, uh, you know how to look out for yourselves and your best interest is somebody who cares about you. You know, there's unique problems there I could talk about, but at the end of the day, what could you be if the government believed in you and helped you get education and helped you get out of debt and, and helped you get a job, a good job? What could you be? You don't need to depend on private industry to kind of save you. You don't need to bend over so that and give subsidies to Amazon or these other big businesses in the world so that they can kind of give you a standard of living should all be guaranteed a certain standard of living. Shouldn't have to live in fear. Shouldn't have to go through 2008 again where 30 million people lost their houses and they got privatized and sold off for cash, possibly money laundering. Like we shouldn't have to go through that. We're not, we're going to go through it again if we don't get away from this neoliberalism. We're going to. And we're going to be left behind. All right. Be well. Love as much as you can. Be smart. Bye. Please record uh, comments, questions, um, any feedback you have, and be happy to listen to them. Your feedback's really important to us, so keep it coming. Thank you very much. <laughs>